Joshua, Joshua had to praise God. Listen, I'm not preaching. This is not even my message, but I feel led to say this. You know, Joshua marched around Jericho. Can you imagine like on the sixth day when Joshua, this mighty soldier, he comes home and his wife says, hey, so tell me, how did it go today? What'd you, how'd you use your sword to, 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 to kill somebody? How'd you, how, how, well, you see what had happened was I, we didn't do it. All we did was sing. What? You can't even sing. I know, but I, that's all I did. Sometimes you have to be willing to. Not a brick came out on day one, day two. The mortar didn't crack on day three. Nothing happened on day four. But listen, when you're willing to praise, even when you can't see. Do you know what faith is? Faith is making preparation in the moment for what you cannot. Listen. Faith is making preparation for what you cannot see in the moment. Do you hear me? Can I just get into his word really quick? Can I? I know you've been standing up for a while, and maybe you're a guest here today, and you're like, whoo, they stand up a long time. They're crazy. They're crazy. Just, just stay on your feet with me for just another minute. Will you please humor me in that? Is that okay? I want to read something to you. Just take your Bibles and turn with me to Philippians chapter 1, beginning at verse 12 and following. Let me say this. I'm going to read several verses, but there's really just three or four verses that I want to pay very close attention to today because the Apostle Paul writes something. I believe God has a word for someone in this place today. I, I don't know who it's for, but I believe today God is going to set some people free. And he says something to this church at Philippi that becomes a core value in his life. Look at what he says in verse 12. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Hold on a second. Because this becomes a core value in the existence of Paul. He's saying, what has happened to me? We'll talk about what's happened to him in a few minutes. But what you need to understand is that when the church at Philippi opens up this letter and they see that he's, they know he's in prison, he says, what's happened to me has served to advance the gospel. He's saying, what's happened to me? The thing that you think is so painful, God has caused it to be purposeful. The thing that you see as a problem, God is using it to reveal his promise the thing you see all of this thought process harkens back to what Jesus did on the cross you see because when the enemy thought that he had defeated Jesus by placing him in a tomb God used the tomb to advance the gospel because on the third day I'm gonna need you to help me because I feel a little disconnected from you today so you got to help me preach are you gonna help me preach Verses 13 and 14 says, as a result, it has come clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains. Someone say in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord 
and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. As a result of it, look at verse 15. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. What we know about Paul here is that Paul is saying that I really don't care what other people think about me. He's like, there's a lot of people who are saying this about me, saying I really don't care what other people think about me. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, I don't care if you like me. Look at your other neighbor and say, I don't care if you like me. Now, look behind you because the person behind you is probably right now feeling a little insecure because they think you don't like them because you didn't choose them. And say, I don't care if you don't like me. Do Keep playing for me, Doug. Listen, do you know how liberating that thought is when you stop seeking the approval of others? Because seeking the approval of others will wear you out, Nate. It will wear you out because others want to approve of you because of your status, because of your job, because of your position, because of your talents. But what you need to understand is that God has already approved of you. That's why he sent his only son to die for you. Is anybody with me here? The Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made in his image. I, I, I feel my preach coming on. Good Lord. Where am I at? Verse, where am I at? I'm, 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 my ADHD is kicking in. Hold on a second. Verse 15, it says, it is true that some preach Christ. Out of me. Verse 16, the, the latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. He says that I am put here. Hold on a second. This is powerful because this shows us his perspective. He says, I have been put here. Rome didn't make a decree in a court of law to put me here. God put me here. Can you imagine this perception, this perspective that he has? I've been placed here by God. How would our perspective change if every place that God has planted us, if we saw it as he's put us there? That job that you have that you don't like, how would it change if you said, I've been put here? Verse 17 and following, it says this. I'm going to read all of this fairly quickly. Stay with me. The former preached Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this place or because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice for I know that through your prayers that God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go to the living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yes, what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and the joy. Somebody say joy. joy. Hold on a second. That's a lot of verses. But really, it's just three verses that are the meat of what I want to look at today in this meal that Paul is serving us. Verse 12, it says, now I want you to know. 
brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. People are getting saved because of his chains. Hello. But it's verse 18 where we get the title from. But what does it matter? Somebody look at your neighbor and give to them the title of today's message. But what does it matter? What does it matter? Look at your other neighbor. What does it matter? You can be seated. Keep playing for me for a little bit, Dustin, if you don't mind. When you look at this letter that Paul has written to the church at Philippi, over the next several weeks, we're going to dissect this letter. However, what you gain from this letter is that Paul has matured in his faith. It's later in his life. He's at a mature age. He's, he's at a milestone age, if you will. I can relate to, to Paul today because tomorrow I reach a milestone age. I'm not going to tell you what mile that stone is on, but tomorrow is a milestone age. And what I see from Paul is that he's at this milestone. He's at this crossroads in his life where all of the events and experiences in his life have caused him to come to this place where he can say these chains, these chains that are on me in this prison, God is using to advance the gospel. All of the experiences in life have caused him to be here and to have a different perspective on the chain. How many of you know sometimes chains can just wear us out? We may all sit in here and act like we don't have any chains, but you just polish your halo for a little bit. And for the rest of us who are transparent, we know that sometimes chains are difficult. So here is Paul. And this juxtaposition comes out of this letter because here is Paul in prison, but yet he writes a letter about joy. Theologians say joy is referenced more in this passage of scripture, this letter, this book, than any other letter in the Bible. Paul is in prison and he writes four letters. We call them the prison epistles. He writes Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, the, uh, Philippians. He writes these books and he's talking about the advance of the gospel while his life is not advancing at all. He's talking about the progression of the gospel when he's making no forward progress in his, in his life. He's talking about the gospel going everywhere when he's going nowhere. He said, I'm in these chains. God is using these chains to advance the gospel. God is, how many of you know sometimes life just gets out of control? How many of you in here are control freaks? Just lift your hand. If you're a control freak, just raise your hand. Dude in the back, his wife's lifting his hand up. It's all right, dude. And when life is out of control, it's tough. But what Paul is doing is he's using these chains to show us that even when the chains are on Paul, God is still at work. And that his joy is not in the happenings of life. His joy is in God. So he's saying that with the chains, I'm here. God has put me here. And he's using these chains to advance the gospel. And the chains can look so different for all of us. 
chains can look so different for all of us. You see, he's saying to, to the people at, at the church of Philippi, he's saying when they get this letter, he's saying, listen, all of this is happening to me. And I know you are questioning why is all of this happening to me. How many of you know sometimes we ask the question why? How many of you know sometimes things just don't look fair in life? Like, God, why did this happen? Why did good things happen to bad people? How many of you know sometimes we struggle with that? And so the people at Philippi are saying, hold on a second, Paul, you're doing all this good stuff, but yet they threw you in prison. And Paul's saying, listen, don't worry about me because I still have my joy and God is still using these chains in order to advance the gospel. He's answering their concern. He's saying, hey, it's all going to be okay, but you need to understand I haven't lost my joy. My joy is stronger today than ever before because God has put me here. And his argument, his battle is not with the jailers because we know that the people in the jail are getting saved. So he's answering a concern for the church at Philippi who were saying, why is all of this happening to Paul? And they're fearing for their lives and they're like, man, this isn't fair. And now they're beginning to talk about their own chains and their own problems. And Paul is saying, listen, if you'll just hang on, you have to know he's using his chains as an illustration that if God can be with me and for me and still use me in this place, He's going to use you in the place that you're in. Because your chains may not look like my chains, but they're still chains nonetheless. And you can take heart and know that God's joy is still there. Listen, let me just say it this way. More people will come to Christ, not by how you celebrate on the mountaintop His goodness, but by how you can proclaim His goodness in the midst of the valley. what Paul is saying to the church at Philippi he's like he's using the chains as a tool as a platform he's saying that this is the the, the evidence of the goodness of God because yes they chained me up and I wanted to be you know planting churches everywhere but even while I'm in chains I'm writing letters that we would not have had had he not been chained up God is using these chains to advance the gospel the more I thought about this concept, I, I thought, how can I illustrate this? The fact that, that many more people will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus, not by how we celebrate how good he is when we're on top of the mountain, but by how we celebrate his goodness and proclaim his goodness when we're in the valley. How, how, because Paul is doing something that's crazy. How many of you know it's tough to praise God if you have a chain around your leg? It's tough to figure out how to praise God if that's going on in your life. Do I have anybody that's going to help me here today? Can I get an amen, an oh me, a go home or something? So I thought, how can I illustrate this? And I've shared, many of you know that my mother, she's here today. She's, she has the advanced stages of Parkinson's. Parkinson's has just absolutely devoured her physical body. Very much in, in, so in such a way that she can't use her legs. Sometimes it's difficult for her to even feed herself, and sometimes it attacks her vocal cords. It's just the quality of life is certainly not what she hoped it would be at this stage in her life. Last week, we were able to take her to the beach, something she doesn't get to do much. And Kim came into the room, and she said, you got to come see your mama. you got to come see what she's doing. 
And what she was doing was sitting in a room looking out the window at the beach and singing a song. More people will come to a saving knowledge of how you bring glory to God in your difficulties. Because sometimes you've got to sing a song of praise even when it doesn't look like there's anything worthy of praise. Singing a song. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in his name. There is power in the name of Jesus. Break every chain, can break every chain, can break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus. Paul singing. There is power in his name. Oh, there is power in the name of Jesus. Break every chain, can break every chain, can break every Paul said there's power in Jesus. And I know I'm in these chains. Don't you worry about me. Because what does it matter? And Paul knew about chains. You see, sometimes in your life, your faith is going to have to be more than just knowing about God. There's going to be times in your life that your faith is going to have to be more than you being able to quote some Christian cliche. There's going to be times where your faith has to be more than you just praying to God for a favorable parking place at the mall. Hello? Come on. There are going to be times where chains are wearing you out. But Paul says, I've been put here. To advance the gospel. And I still have the joy of the Lord as my strength. Paul knows chains. Because when Paul writes this. When Paul writes this. He's already been beaten five times within an inch of his life. When Paul writes this. He's already been shipwrecked three times. When Paul writes this. He's already been stoned. When Paul writes this, he's already been starved. When Paul writes this, he's already had fear for his life. When Paul writes this, he's already experienced God knocking him off the horse and taking his physical sight so that he could see something spiritual. When Paul writes this, people have talked about him, have slandered him, have done him wrong. But Paul says, what does it matter? You see, Paul is highlighting for us using his chains because he's pointing to our chains. Our chains may not look like his, but he's talking about the chain of offense because someone has hurt you and you're living a life of confinement and hurting others. He's talking about the chain of stress, the chain of panic, the chain of your past, the chain of a mess, the chain of lack, the chain of sickness. Is somebody going to help me? Because what Paul is saying is that those chains do not define you. 
nor can those chains keep you down because God will use those chains to advance the gospel. In my notes, if I were reading them right now, it would say everybody's going to be on their feet right here because they're all excited about those chains coming off. Or maybe not. So here is Paul, later in life, he's in a place where he really doesn't care what people think. He's not, he's not worried about what people think. He, he's not, he, he's not you know, consumed with what people think. He's, he's not, listen, all of that peripheral stuff that we're always like worried about, you know, always concerned with. He's like, what does it matter? Paul is not worried about those peripheral things. You know how like when you're a high school student? And it's picture day, and you've got a pimple on your nose the size of a moon. It's like, what does it matter? You know, one time, Paul, he knows chains. One time, the very first time that Paul ever went to Philippi, you know what happened to Paul? Paul went to start a church, and as soon as he started preaching, they grabbed him. They beat him within an inch of his life. They put shackles on his feet, threw him in prison. And you know what Paul did? Paul did the only thing that he knew to do. The Bible says at about midnight, he began to praise God. You see, you can allow your chains to break your praise, or you can use your praise to break chains. You can allow what's happening in your life to rob you of joy, or you can allow joy to fill your mouth, and you can sing a song. Good Lord, have mercy. When Paul began to sing that night, the Bible says that everybody in the jailhouse was free. You know why? Because he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And sometimes the praise that you're willing to lift up will cause others to be freed from their chains. Y'all don't want to hear this. Lord, have my, y'all don't want to hear this. Somebody said, yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Well, I'm sorry. It's all I brought. That's what you're getting. <laughs> Can I teach for a minute? Because some of you right now, you're like, you're going through all hell on earth. And you're like, wow, I don't know who this is for. But just maybe God is allowing you to go through it so that he can break a generational curse in your life so that your kids don't have to go through it. You know, for Paul, here's what's so beautiful. You know, for Paul, Paul's joy was not connected to what was happening in his life or what was not happening in his life. Paul's joy was connected to his purpose. Paul wasn't looking around saying, well, he said this, and they did that, and they, and they don't like, and he, he, wasn't, he wasn't worried about all of that. Let me say it this way. Your joy is not in who you are. If, you're, if, if you are counting on you to bring yourself joy, you, you are in a, you're in a world of hurt. Your joy is not in who you are. Your joy is in who you are in him. And so Paul is saying, what does it matter? What does it matter what they said about me? What does it matter that person slandered me? What does it matter that I'm going through this? What does it matter that, about that sickness? What does it matter that that person cut me off in traffic? What does it matter that I couldn't find a place to park this morning? What does it matter that I poured coffee on myself when I came into the worship center? What does it matter that I went in there and tried to put on those jeans this morning and I gained too much weight and I couldn't wear them? What does it matter? Y'all know what I'm talking about. 
does it? That doesn't matter. And so here's Paul. He's, 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 I don't, why does it matter? Paul is using this as, even though, listen, even though he's in chains, he knows that God is using the chains to advance the gospel. And sometimes the chains in our lives are, are very complex. Sometimes the chains in our lives do not look anything like what Paul said or, or maybe even don't look anything like the chains that I've already mentioned. Sometimes the greatest chains in our lives are the chains that we fabricate in our mind. Can I teach? What matters to you? Somebody look at your neighbor and say, what matters to you? Can I tell you something? What matters to you most is the thing that you're going to serve most. What matters to you is the thing that you're going to live for. So if what matters to you is that everybody likes you, if everybody likes you, then you like you. But if everybody doesn't like you, then you don't like you. But if what matters to you most is that God loves you, when everybody doesn't like you, you're still going to like you because of who loves you. Good God Almighty. If what matters to you is being comfortable, then when you are uncomfortable, you're going to be miserable. But if what matters to you is purpose, when you are uncomfortable, you're still going to be able to find a way to praise God even though you are uncomfortable. Paul said these chains have served the purpose of advancing the gospel. These chains are not going to stop me. Listen, these chains are not going to steal my joy because the world didn't give me joy and these chains cannot take the joy away from me. I wrote something down. Give it up for our production team. So just, just give a hand. You, you never get to see the production team because they're always hidden. If you see the production team like running around here, they, we've got a problem. The production team today is in another room in, in, on the other side of that hallway right there. They're, and they're running everything that you see. It's like they have control. What does it matter? They're putting all that stuff up. All these lights that are like 200 degrees on the stage. They're in charge of all of that stuff. And right now they're probably saying, well, he's been all over the place this morning, man. He's not following his notes. So sorry about that. Everybody say sorry. <laughs> but I have to give you this. When the enemy surfaces in your life, it's an indication that there's unborn seed in you. When the enemy surfaces in your life, there's an indication that there's unborn seed in you. You see, the enemy doesn't come to stop what you're doing. He comes to keep that seed from giving birth. You see, if Paul were not in prison, <laughs> if Paul were not in prison, we would not have Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply for all of my needs according to his riches and glory. We would not have I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We wouldn't have this 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 other saying that he has. He says, I've been pressed but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. Were it not for this, this jail in Rome, we would not have the book of Philippians. He says these chains, don't you worry about me because God is still good and my joy is in him. And these chains are only serving imagine this mindset these chains are only serving to advance the gospel I don't know who this is for but Paul's not like looking at everybody else and like saying well he's free and I ain't and I, I feel like I'm better than him 
And I don't know why he's got it so good and I don't. Listen, if you're living in that trap where you are evaluating your life based upon some social media image that someone else has put up and you're like, wow, look at how good their life seems to be. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Can I tell you something? That's like their 15th picture in order to get it right. I don't care what they say. And if you're evaluating your life based upon a thumbnail image in someone else's life, you're setting yourself up for discouragement. Because you're sitting at the house and you're looking at Sally's Facebook and she's on a cruise or she's, 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 she's in Cozumel and the water looks so blue. Man, I want a vacation like that. The water's so blue. Look how nice that water is. It's blue. Look, it's beautiful. All day you're thinking about, oh, man, she's on a vacation of a lifetime. Or she's got hashtag spoiled. And you're like, oh, God. She's so, oh. I got to have that, Woo. you know, hashtag righteous living, Woo. the sand's hot, all that, come on, you're like, oh man, and on the inside, you're like, man, look at my life, you know what I'm talking about, and so when your husband gets home from work, you're like, baby, I want to go on a vacation of a lifetime, he says, all right, let's go to Carowinds, <laughs> and you ain't laughing, you throwing stuff. Like, you better get out here talking about carowinds. I'm talking about Cosmel. Listen, if you are living your life based upon a thumbnail image that someone else has, you're going to set yourself up for, for discouragement. These chains are only here. What does it matter? What does it matter? So, so let me show you something. Verse 19. I'm about, I'm not far from closing. Somebody say amen. Good God. It ain't funny. It ain't funny at all. Verse, verse 19, here's what Paul says. He says, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, that what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. He says, listen, he says, for I know. But then he says something. He says, for I know, for I know this milestone age has caused me to lose my place. These words are small. <laughs> For I know that through your prayers and God's provision, through your prayers and God's provision of his spirit. Hold on a second. You know what he's saying? He's thanking the Philippians for praying for him, but he's saying that his breakthrough is not because of the Philippians. His breakthrough is because the Holy Spirit is pouring out on him because the Philippians are praying. He's saying you haven't met my need, but because of your prayers, the Holy Spirit has. then I got to thinking, hold on a second, but still, how does Paul have this thought process when it comes to the chains? He's wanting to do so much other stuff. He's wanting to be planning churches. He's wanting to spread the gospel all around the world, and yet he's in chains. How does he have this outlook? And then it hit me. There's another chain that he's tethered to. Last week when we were going to the beach on Saturday, uh, I, we're hooking my boat up to, to my truck and actually it's to my brother's truck and, and there's safety chains on the trailer that if the hitch were to somehow come out or if it would come off the, the ball, it would... It, the safety chains would catch the boat. And I thought, hold on a second. 
There has to be some safety chain that Paul is tethered to. There has to be something that Paul is chained to. Then it, then it hit me. Let me show you something. Look at verse 6. Verse 6. I haven't even read this. But we see how Paul started out. So he says, now what I want you to know in verse 12 is that these chains that I'm in have served to advance the gospel. How does he have this thought process? Well, he answers that for us in verse 6. He says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I may be in jail. <laughs> I may have these chains. But God is still advancing the gospel because what he began, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Hold on a second. It gets better. He says, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. Hold on a second. There's a chain called grace. Mm. Verse 8, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. But what you need to be confident in is that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. I'm not chained to this guard. This guard is chained to me because I'm chained to his grace. I'm chained to his love. I'm chained to his authority. I'm chained to his breakthrough. I'm chained to his healing. Is somebody going to get up on your feet and begin to give God praise because the chains can't stop what God has already started. You see the the thing that is most important to him is that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. It doesn't matter what you're going through. God has a plan. It doesn't matter that you're in this place with this chain because God has a plan. He says, what does it matter? What does it matter? Do you think God doesn't know where you are? Somebody in this place, you feel all alone. You feel overwhelmed by the struggle. Today, God wants to breathe life into you. Those of you watching this on our internet campus, a chain in my life it doesn't look like the chain Paul had which was a physical chain but it's a chain of hurt a chain of insecurity a chain of sickness a chain of lack a chain of brokenness and I need God to meet me right right there if that's you no one's looking around I need you to just lift your hand I'm the only one down if you would say pastor mark from this day forward i want to live with an attitude of what does it matter what does it matter
doesn't matter in every area of my life knowing that God has me and my joy is in him. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand high all over this place. Last but not least, if you would say today, I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want a brand new start. I want forgiveness for my sins. I want a second chance. I want a do-over. I want a mulligan. If, if that's you, I'm the only one looking around. Lift your hand up high if you want Jesus to be your Savior. Wow. I see all of those hands. Pastor Gary, if you put your hand up for any one of those three things, I'm going to ask you to take one step of faith. I want you to step out from where you are and come to this makeshift altar, if you will, because I believe God wants to open up heaven on your behalf. I believe God wants to do something miraculous. I believe God wants to remove some chains. I believe God wants to give to you breakthrough. I believe God wants to give to you healing. So if you raise your hand, don't worry about the person to your left or to your right. You will not be alone, I promise. Just push them out of the way and come right here. Because I believe God wants to do something powerful in your life. I need prayer partners. I need life coaches. I need e-group leaders. You know who you are. No one else leave. We're going to be done in a couple of minutes. Just, just hang out and worship him for a moment or so. And let's just see what God's going to do right here. Come on, let's give him praise.
Thank you so much for worshiping with us here today at Epicenter Church slash Carrie Sanford High School. Uh, my name is Alora, and I'm the Connections Pastor here. A couple things that I want to just remind you guys of real quick. We do have an amazing um, life coach team that's hanging out right over here in this corner, like they're normally hanging out um, in our sanctuary. But they are just available to talk with you, pray with you if you have a need especially if you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today. They want to celebrate that with you, share some next steps with you, so make sure to stop by and see them for just a second. also want to mention out underneath um, the tan-colored tent out there, you'll find more information about all of the upcoming things that Pastor Ian talked about at the beginning. Also, for those of you who are here at Epicenter for the very first time, I would love to meet you. I'm going to be hanging out at our guest services tent, so you'll just head out of those doors and take a left. It's the blue tent outside. Like I said, I'd love to meet you, answer questions if you have any questions about Epicenter, but most importantly, I have a gift that I want to share with you, so make sure to stop by guest services as you are heading out. Also, we need help, okay? Um, as you can imagine, there's a whole lot of people who showed up yesterday, showed up early this morning to help us set everything up here. We are so grateful for those of you that have helped us so far. We need a lot more help. We have to tear everything down, put it all back, bring it back over to Epicenter. So if you can hang around and help us with all of that, we would definitely would um, appreciate that. And you know that uh, milestone that was talked about? Yeah. So... Here's the deal. He told you he ain't going to tell you what mile the stone is or whatever, however he said it in this service. And, and I was threatened with my life, so I'm not going to say any numbers. But I'm just going to say that he was born on September 9th, 1969. So y'all do some math. All right. And so we're going we're gonna to have Pastor Mark come on back up here. We're going to do a little bit different. We're going to have the board come up here. Uh, we're going to pray for you in a little while. We're going to sing happy birthday. But uh, I'm going to stand right here so he can't hit me. It's all right. It's all right. So we're going to let these guys come up. This is some of the board. These are just some guys that kind of uh, try to support Pastor Mark. And uh, So I know you guys, he means a lot to all y'all, and you're going to have an awesome opportunity to tell him happy birthday uh, when service is over today. But we have some people who weren't able to be here, who wanted to share happy birthday as well. So I'm going to I'm gonna angle this. Just Sorry to y'all. Y'all can just kind of look at that TV. I need him to be able to see this. I'm going to angle this a little bit so we can kind of see it a little better. Can you see that? All right, go ahead, guys. Happy birthday, Mark. Happy birthday, Big 5-0. Welcome to the club. It's not that bad on this side. Hey, congratulations on years of life and faithfulness and ministry and all that God is doing through you guys as a couple and through you, Mark. Happy birthday. We're so proud of you and so excited about what God's done and what he's going to continue to do through you guys as you serve him faithfully. So taking a moment at the beach. You're so important. We're taking a moment of our, out of big our vacation. Big hug, big hug. To say happy guys. birthday. We love you. And uh, we pray that God will continue to bless everything that you're a part of. Hey, Mark. just want to take a moment to wish you a very happy 50th birthday. So many years, 50 years, you've affected so many lives. Please keep up the great work. God bless you. Have a happy 50th. Brother Mark, happy birthday, my friend. We had a little bad weather here down at the beach. 
As a matter of fact, this storm sort of reminds me of the storms in my life. When I had those storms, you were always there for me, brother. I love you. Happy birthday. God bless. Happy birthday, Mark. This is your dad. Wishing you a happy 50th birthday and all the speed and the world is in front of you. And may God bless you. And this is your mama here with my arm so draped around her. And she wants to say yeah, something to you too. Do, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, honey. Mark, this is your mom. And I'm here to wish you a, a happy 50th birthday. I want you to know I'm very proud of you. It's, uh, it's Troy Aikman, and I just wanted to wish you a happy, happy 50th birthday. Uh, I had mine a couple of years ago. It was awesome. Uh, my now wife, who we celebrated our second year anniversary yesterday, uh, was there with me. We were dating at the time and uh, had a great celebration. So I hope yours is as good as what mine was. I'm sure it will be. I know you're going to be surrounded by a lot of friends and family and loved ones, and that's pretty awesome. So. Uh, have a great, great birthday. And also, I wanted to be the bearer of really good news that on October 20th, as a part of your gift, you will be going to see the Eagles play your Dallas Cowboys at AT&T Stadium. So how about that? Uh, enjoy it. I know everyone's excited for that. And uh, maybe, I'm not sure if we're calling that game or not, but if we are, uh, maybe I'll get a chance to say hello to you. All right? Uh, all the best to you, pal. Happy 50th birthday. Enjoy that celebration. Alright, so, just a little more information. Like, that's, that's all expenses paid. We're going to take care of the, the airfare, the, the lodging, everything. We're going to go. It's in Dallas, AT&T Stadium. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're gonna, what we're gonna do, we're gonna kind of do two things. One, um, we're gonna, I'm gonna let uh, one of the board members here just kind of lead us in a quick prayer and of thanks and gratitude to Pastor Mark for being our pastor. And then we're gonna sing happy birthday. But Dustin's gonna lead us and not me, because we all wanna have our eardrums when we're done here. So, all right, Rodney, just, let's just pray, pray for him real fast, and then we're gonna sing and celebrate. Go ahead, bud. You bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for what you do each and every day of our lives, Lord. We thank you for the blessing and the gift of Pastor Mark and how you've equipped him to, to lead us and guide us, Lord. We just thank you for the impact that he's had in our lives, Lord. He's been an, a change agent for many of us in our storms and uh, helping us manage and, and deal with life, Lord, that on this milestone and this time in his life for him and Kim and his family and his mom and dad, Lord, we just ask you to rain down on them bless them let them feel your love your warmth your grace your mercy all of these things lord we ask you to just abound in their lives lord for the sacrifices that they make the time that they give to so many of us that takes away from their time being together lord that we ask this special time to be uh, a blessing to them and that they be under the big star of the dallas cowboys lord and enjoy that with each other lord being united as one in jesus name we pray Amen.